Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm your host, Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Earth's End by Elise Kova. So let's siege the magic of books. Oh boy, this is an interesting book to talk about. It was good. I liked, let's say, 80% of this book. 20% was, you know, 10% was good. It was fine. It was not like the best, but it wasn't the worst. And then there's just this 10% that I didn't really like, that didn't connect with me as much. And I'm definitely going to talk about it, but I think this is the third or fifth book in the series. I mean, I know that. I know this is the third or fifth, but this book, I feel like is suffering from middle series growth where we're trying to expand the world a little bit and we're trying to keep things moving forward, but we're resolving certain issues and so we have to ramp up tension in other ways or kind of the author has to make sure that while they resolve the issues that were first that were introduced in the first and second books that we are creating new issues to resolve in the fourth and fifth books. We have to make sure they flow together, that they merge, and that sometimes causes friction between characters who we've seen grow in the first two books, and then they change and they kind of revert back a little bit, or they have new issues that are similar to previous issues, and so that's fine. I think that's just a little bit of what this book suffers from, being, you know, the direct middle book. It's a very character-focused book, and so that's going to kind of make it feel different. I mean, these are just, like I've said in in the last two episodes, they're very character focused. The plot is very kind of basic and and that's fine. This is what makes a good story sometimes as well is that the plot is, you know, uh, this is not a spoiler for this book. The plot is get to the North and conquer the North. I mean, that's kind of been coming up this whole time and I think that works because of the way that Elise Kova has written her characters. So I like that. Let's just get into talking about the characters because we've got so much to talk about. I'm going to save our most important two characters, Aldric and Valhalla, till the end. So let's just talk about Daniel. Daniel, back off. You got to get out of here. You need to lay off of Valhalla. She is not yours and she's not anybody's. She's her own person, but like you are way too invested and like, I'm going to just keep loving you until you love me back. And maybe you never will, but you can't stop my feelings. And it's like, no, she can't stop your feelings. But Listen, she told you no. You know that she loves Prince Aldric. You know that she's been going for Aldric this whole time. Why do you keep pushing yourself and trying to like, you're a, you're an older guy. Like, I know everybody's kind of older, but in my mind, Valhalla and Aldric are still like, they're teenage age because they make teenage decisions sometimes, especially at the very end of this book. They, you can't, you can't deny that at the end of this book, it's a very teenage drama-y situation. So I see Daniel and the Golden Guard as more of like in their mid to late 20s to like early 30s at the most. And so it just comes off weird to me that Daniel is so invested in Valhalla and I don't like it and I want him to stop being the creep. I know he's not like actually a creep and he's been very forthright and gentle, but you know he also didn't try and stop any of those rumors that were going around about them sleeping together. And so it's like, well, Daniel, you say you're doing these things because you love her but uh your actions are not 100% following through with that so I don't know I don't like you still you would just stop being in this book it would be just fine that's no problem for me let's talk about Baldair he's a good kid I like him a lot more he has grown and I like him immensely more than I did in the beginning I am no longer worried about him turning traitor I actually was a little bit worried about it before I finished this book and I thought I'll just tell you right now what I thought I thought at the end when Valhalla becomes a lady that the cost was that she had to marry Baldair instead of Aldric and that was going to be the issue now that wasn't the issue still an engagement just not the one they wanted and I still think they acted like very very emotional children but I like Baldair I like that he's trying to repair his relationship with his 
brother at Valhalla's request. I love that he's just like, Valhalla, Valhalla, fine, you're here. Like, I'll leave my room. I'll go stay with Aldrich. Like, whatever. So he's done much better. Now, let's talk about the man of the hour here, the Emperor. He's not cool enough for me to remember his name or want to remember his name because he's just a big dummy. He's very stupid and he makes bad decisions. I want you to conquer the North and the only reward you're going to get for conquering the North for me in this amount of time is that I won't kill you right now. Wow, that just really inspires me to never in my entire life have I felt such obedience to the man who wanted to kill me every single time he looked at me. Like, I really, really don't know why he is such an absolute pain to Valhalla. You'd think he would be like, hey, look, I've got a wind, I've got a wind walker. She's the only one. I can elevate her. I can, you know, maybe he doesn't want her to marry Aldrich. That's fine. I totally understand him being like, okay, I don't want her to marry Aldrich because I've got other plans for him, but I could make her a lady. I can, you know, kind of marry her off to somebody else. Then maybe we can produce our own wind walkers. You know, like as an emperor, you would have to be thinking about things. These, these are long-term goals that he should want. Yes, he's the emperor of war and he wants Aldrich to be the emperor of peace, but you still have to have that he still has that semi long-term vision so i i don't know because that's so weird that he hates her so much even though she's doing all these things for him like she literally saves his life like four or five times in this book now don't quote me on it because i'm not 100 percent on that but i know it's a lot like in his face like stops an arrow from hitting him that he would have killed him multiple times and he still hates her like I think after the third time somebody saves your life, even if you don't like that person, you have to start grudgingly respecting them. Like, and that leads the way to being like, okay, maybe I have to rethink this a little bit. But he doesn't at all. So I have to wonder what's going on here. Is he being controlled? Is he been somehow corrupted by the crystals? Because the crystals can corrupt regular people as well, I believe. We don't really know. Maybe we do, and I just forgot. We know they can corrupt sorcerers. The emperor is not a sorcerer, which is also like, just like, you know, you keep going on like, oh, he'll kill me if I don't do this. And it's like, he's just an old guy. Like, Aldrich could stop him in a heartbeat. You could stop him in a heartbeat, Valhalla. Neither of you guys are really in danger here, aside from, you know, the fallout of killing the emperor. But by the end of the book, I'm pretty sure over half the army is wearing your symbol. They saw you, A, protect the emperor. They saw the emperor try and mistreat you and be mean to you, like, multiple times. I'm pretty sure it's an open secret, you know, everything that's kind of going on. Like, do you... I just... It's like, okay. Or just, Valhalla, please, just be like, oh no, I tried to stop the arrows, but my magic, it was just too worn out from protecting Prince Aldrich, the best, who I love, you know, and like moving these things and protecting the army. I just couldn't save the Emperor from those like six shots, those six crossbow bolts or arrows that hit him. I tried really hard. Ah, oh, darn. The one person in the, like, who hates me the most in the entire world died. Like, come on. Like, he's, she has to know by after the third or fourth time saving his life that he is not going to change his opinion of her. And yet she keeps trying. And I just, this is, this is part of that teenage drama. Like, I just change his mind. It's like, no, he won't change his mind. Just ditch him and go off or, you know, move on, forcibly retire him. Prince Aldrich, like, I know we're moving the succession up right now. All right. So the emperor, I don't know if he's evil. He just can't see the forest for the trees, which just surprises me because he's had a decent long-term vision. And I also wonder if it's Eggman. What is Eggman doing? Now we got to talk about Aldrich a little bit. Aldrich, we see some of his past through Valhalla because of their bond, and we see him doing something with uh, the box, and I know I'm 100% confident that this box is the box that holds the, the chains, the cuffs that Valhalla has to wear, that are crystals that 
container power that make her hurt. And so I don't know if Aldrich had to wear those and he had to like try and endure that corruption, or maybe Aldrich is secretly corrupted and that's kind of what is a problem. And that's how the emperor has been corrupted. And that's all from Eggman, because I don't think we've seen the last of Senator Eggman. There's no way a Senator, uh, the you know, High Lord of the Magic Tower just is like, I'm going to go be a senator and give up my magical abilities for other things. So I'm waiting for that. But Aldrich, you have a lot of issues and I can only blame you for about half of it because your dad sucks and is abusive to you. But you got to be better. Like, just be, I just, okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. the end of the book here. They go off. Valhalla's like, hey, I'm going to go do my stuff with my friends. And then General Schnarr, the general who hates you the most and has tried to kill you at least once, is like, hey, I have to come get you for the emperor. And what do you say? Sure, let me just walk in with no armor and no friends and no support because I clearly trust this general who's hated my life the whole time and I clearly trust the emperor who's never had it out for me at all that everything will be okay. Like, I get you're trying to show trust. Like, oh, I trust the emperor to not kill me. But like, there's trust and balance here. Like, you can trust someone and then you can really trust somebody. So like, bring Jax, bring Alicia, bring a bunch of people. Like, the emperor is not going to cause a civil war to get Aldrich to, to sign. Whatever. they go. She goes off on her own, which was just a dumb decision, first off. Then she's like, oh no, and Aldrich comes in. They're like, here's the writ. Like, you're a lady, and I have to be mean to you now. And she's like, well, why are you being so mean to me? Woman, be gone. I'm like, ah, Aldrich, I, I really hate this attitude of yours. Oh no, it turns out I'm engaged to somebody from the north to bring the country together. And it's like, okay, but like, that's a year away minimum from all the note. what the note says, like, like, you guys could figure out a different solution in a year. I'm pretty sure it would be possible. Or I'm sure there's something else you could figure out between the f- 10 minutes that you had to figure it out in front of the emperor and a year. Like, I just I feel like there's a lot more possibilities that would open up if you had a whole year to think about it and plan it and work on it. So I was just like, ah, well, then they have to fight each other. And it was a very emotional scene and she writes it so well. It's just so powerful and you can feel the raw emotion and the way they react and they respond and they both have to dig in and get each other and be like, no, you said something mean, so I'm going to say something mean. And, you know, Prince Aldrich, it wasn't even you I was trying to save. It was Prince Balder. And those that was so good on like a writing standpoint, like an emotional standpoint, but I just hated it because I was like, come on, you guys just loved each other. You've been loving on each other this whole book. You guys had the most awesome fighting scene that I, I've read in a while that was just beautiful. And it honestly, like in a good way, their fight scene where they're fighting together felt like dancing and it was just like elegant and beautiful and well written and I was like oh man this I love this and they're like one person and the fact that they've joined and they have like literally been one person almost just that throws me for a loop because then it's like okay but I'm just gonna turn off my feelings and hate you and then she's like oh I've realized I was only loving the man he could be and it's like well yeah but you also kind of did love him too like he needs to change on his own you are 100% right Val. he needs to change on his own you know change has to come from within But at the same time, you know, you could help him change. People sometimes need help to change. And if you are there as a good support system for him, not trying to force him to change, but helping him change, then that's a good thing. And granted, you were a little bit headstrong and like you have to get rid of your alcoholism immediately. Like, I agree going cold turkey and that's probably the best solution. But at the same time, maybe middle of a war is not the best time. I mean, it is the best time for that. It's always good. I'm not, I can't say just live with your alcoholism for a little while longer because I don't feel like that's actually healthy. But there are other options that could have been done 
maybe besides like, let's get rid of, let's smash your bottles and I'm not going to talk to you until you give it up completely. And that's not what she did exactly, but it's basically. So that's fine. I just, I was like, ah, this is teenage drama moment and I dislike it because up until this point you guys have been making some really good decisions for the most part like obviously they're not making 100% good decisions but you guys have been doing so well and now you're falling backwards I don't like it now where is Valhalla going at the end of this book she is going to the west to be with Aldrich's uncle who Orphan I think is his name I can't remember 100% because I read it and I finished it but the that whole you know last 20% was pretty intense and made me forget everything that wasn't the last 20% so okay and just one little nitpick. I, if I will 100% buy that Fahala can get her magical fight, her fighting abilities, her regular sword fighting abilities through the bond, through the joining. She can get his muscle memory. That's totally chill. I can totally 100% believe that, right? I don't know what Prince Aldrich's getting out of the deal with the bond, but uh, clearly it's not fighting skills since she didn't have any. But the one thing I really can't 100% get behind is Valhalla's exceptional skill with, I'm going to call it airbending, and I know it's not, but that's what it is, right? Because in book two, she's doing minor training. She's doing lifting things and throwing things and like putting wind under horses a little bit and then in this book she's like oh i can put wind on horses i can pull daggers i can like grab things to my hand i can push people away like the gust of air that knocks people over and blows them away perfect i love that all the other stuff she does you know pulling daggers rearranging them stopping arrows i'm like whoa 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 like you just started doing that there was no like i've practiced this or like oh my gosh i just did this it was just like oh no i'm redirecting things and i can control the air and i can sense people breathing which is like believable I just can't get behind that it came from the bond like her physical fighting skills because fire and air are different and they should work differently. Earth and water work differently than each other. Earth and fire work differently. Water and air, water and fire work differently. Why would air and fire be so similar? Now, yes, air and fire do go together and that makes sense but they should be complementary, not exactly the same style. So that's that. And a little bit of goriness on the side where she is literally like exploding people's heads. I kind of wasn't expecting that and it was fine. I liked it. I also really liked the fortune teller of the fire bearer that she can kind of predict the future. And I like the prophecy. And I would love to see more of that on like the earth, uh, the earth bearer side, the, or the water bearers, the earth breakers, you know, side, so see what their secondary abilities are. We know wind walking is projection. And I thought the projection was done really well. She has to physically walk in. She can only overhear certain things. It's kind of muffled. I, she can only be in one place at once. I really, I thought the projection was done really good. Oh man, I'm going over a little bit, but that's uh, kind of okay. Let's just talk really quick about some other things that I really liked. The axe, Akel, that cuts through anything, that's going to be important, I'm sure. I like that this is an escalation of the plot and of the the world that we're seeing these crystal weapons that are more powerful than anything the feeling she gets when she has it that she wants to use it to cut 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 which you know you kind of believe that it's extra magical you wouldn't have stolen it in the middle of the night and keep kept it out of the emperor's grasp because we know that's eggman what eggman and the emperor want so uh can't you use that to uh cut through an engagement huh maybe I'm pretty sure she's going to use it to cut through the bond. And I don't like that because I like them being together. I'm a, I like that pairing. But if it doesn't happen, I trust you, Elise Gova, to bring me through to the end in a good way. You really better. And I did not like those crystal cuffs. They were bad. So, oh, here's a line that I really liked in the book. A seed of doubt watered by fear. I mean, that's just good because, I mean, people talk about seeds of doubt all the time, but that watered by fear is something I'd never really heard. And I think in the context, it made a lot of sense and it was really good. 
her depiction of Aldrich's alcoholism, where it was slight and subtle, and then they kind of just throw it in your face, like, oh my gosh, that really is what it is. Like, I, I like that a lot. And I like that this is just, again, her, she talks about her choices. Her choices were servitude or death. And I'm like, you know, this does not have to be your death. This could be the death of the emperor. This could be the death of the senate. Like, maybe you wouldn't want to go, like, full murderer and kill the whole senate. And, like, but the emperor could easily have an accident. Like, this, I, you are limiting yourself here, Valhalla. And I approve, applaud your moral standing to not kill the emperor who's trying to have you killed. But this is pretty much justifiable self-defense by this point. Okay, let's just talk about Valhalla for a little bit because I didn't, I realized I didn't talk about her in the character section. So, Valhalla, she has tons of ups, she has tons of downs. When she's pretending to be Sarian still at the end of this book and flying to, the, not flying, flying to the north. What Wouldn't that be cool if she figures out how to fly with her airbending? That would be pretty sweet. But when she's pretending to be Sarian and flying to the north to save Aldric, and then her emotions are all over the place this whole book. But to be fair, whose wouldn't be if your lover nearly died, you thought they were dead, you had to rush to the north, a three-day, uh, you know, three to five to seven day journey you made in two days. You had to convince people to go back and rescue him that you were who you say you are, get them to fly back and then just like sit and worry. Then you're with them, then you have issues, then you're with them, then you're fighting a battle, then you're fighting another battle, all while being threatened by the emperor. Like, the, I can totally understand why her emotions all over the place and it's fine. She always wants to do the right thing. She's trying to be a good person. I like that, but just sometimes Val, you need to just like, so, okay, sometimes I felt she was a little bit flippy floppy. Like she's like, oh, I see the the northerners and I see that they're just people and they are people like us and they don't want this war and we're the aggressors and we're kind of the ones in the wrong here. But then she's like, okay, but I'm just going to have to kill them all fast so they don't suffer. And it's like, Oof. and then she like never struggles with that again. And I was like, maybe you could have struggled with like killing northerners just a teeny bit more. I know that the northerners are the ones coming out to attack you because you're coming to attack them right so i just i wish i would have had a little bit more of that in her story or in her arc so that's gonna wrap up everything i have to say about earth's end by elise kova thanks everybody for listening uh thanks to david hillowitz for the intro and outro music you know if you have any questions comments things i missed you can leave a review you can send me an email at libromancypod at gmail.com you know please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from that really helps out and remember to siege the magic of books